0: You're listening to the Dudes and Dads Podcast, a show dedicated to helping men be better dads, husband, and men by building community through meaningful conversation and storytelling. And now, here are your hosts, Joel DeMott and Andy Lehman. Andy, I got big news for you. What's that?
1: It's episode number two, Andy. It is. We've made it past one. Oh my gosh. They didn't shut us down. They haven't turned off the lights. They have not. Oh, I'm feeling blessed. Feeling blessed. (laughs) No one's called the authorities yet. No, that's true. That is true. Oh my goodness. Well, here we are, everybody. Welcome to episode number two. Uh, Great things in store for you this episode. Looking forward to the conversations we're going to have. But we got a few things that uh, we... um, Well, we just want to share uh, kind of our our thank yous and um, uh, particularly to the good people that have gotten on
0: as Patreon members and financially supporting us. Andy, tell us more. We would like to share with you. We'd like to thank Scott and Jesse. So Scott and Jesse are our very first Patreon. And so we thank you for that. You are helping us support the show and just keep this show going and provide quality content for you. So we thank you for, for that. And i can't wait to to see more patrons
1: and uh andy correct me if i'm wrong but i believe uh scott uh, happens to be uh beyond the podcast list as well fellow podcaster over at the geocaching podcast he is actually yes so if you haven't checked out the geocaching podcast which is uh one of you know G- geo geocaching um is one of those things i've done it a few times with our boys but let me just say andy is uh a connoisseur of geocaching. I little, little, (laughs) little, no. In fact, I actually started the geocaching podcast. Oh, you're like the, the geocaching podcast. OG. I am. So I don't know if that's a thing. (laughs) Uh, so anyway, um, yes. So thank you so much, Scott and Jesse for your, uh, contribution. If we had an award to give you, we would, uh, but we're on a thin budget. And if we were to get an award, it would take all the funds that we got from the Patreon. And that just seems like a waste, right? right? Like, thank you for giving. Now here's we had here's to spend award, all the money on your right. award.
0: <laughs> not, yeah, not so much. Yeah, yeah. That's, so, anyways, yeah. so Joel, we mentioned last week that we were going to do a what's brewing. This is my uh, this is my
1: uh, intro song for the the segment. What's brewing? that's that's the intro that's all i got so um yeah we're gonna raise a raise a glass to our good friends over at embassy coffee co here in beautiful goshen indiana uh tonight we are drinking the burundi
0: we we are and it's it's good
1: it's good it's keeping us uh keeping us going because we're doing we're 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 doing a lot of recording tonight we got a lot
0: going on a couple episodes um
1: so uh the burundi uh it, it it says well first of all it comes in a it comes in a black bag which means it's expensive quality. <laughs> yeah quality quality and expensive um but specifically uh this uh this has lovely notes of black cherry pear and sweet it and it's good i've noticed all of them that's how my that's how my wife describes me actually <laughs> so it's like a coffee basically designed for me <laughs> uh if I had, you know, there comes a point, Andy, where I just know that we're going to embarrass our wives on this show. Right. It's just, we're not going to be able to, to help ourselves. It's going to happen sooner or later. So I'm not going to apologize. I'm just going to say you married us. You knew what you were getting into. So, uh, yeah, there we are. What's brewing the good old Burundi. We're, we're, grateful for this. We're going
0: to try to do different coffees every week.
1: Absolutely. So new coffees every week. Uh, and it gives us a really great excuse to buy more
0: coffee. Right. So, uh, thank you embassy coffee company well we we purchased it but 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 still but thank you thank you, thank you so, for selling it to us <laughs> so joel uh on this episode we have uh, a good friend here in the, the studio why don't you go ahead and introduce him to us
1: yeah that's fantastic well first andy let me begin by talking about our guest like he's not here
0: i mean that he's clearly like, sitting right next He to is you, sitting right next
1: to me but i'm gonna pretend like he's not here All right. uh andy i'm very very excited we have uh the Clarence Michael Hogan. Um I have used his full name uh ongoing in the promotion of this show. <laughs> Everyone just calls him Clarence, but I was like Clarence Michael Hogan since very regal and sophisticated. Hey, he
0: has a middle name unlike I mean I have a middle name but I won't divulge it.
1: Andy refuses to give his middle name so I've just inserted the letter T and as we also learned that if you were Andy were to change his name it would be to Chester. So, so Chester T Chester T, T. Layman right. in the studio. Um no, our good friend Clarence Michael Hogan is our first, uh, our first victim, or I should say uh, interviewee here on the show. Let me just tell you how I knew that Clarence and I were going to be best friends forever. So uh, very beginning of January of this year, Clarence and I are down at a conference in Hotlanta, um, and we're in, we're, in the, um, we're in the lobby of the hotel, and Clarence is like, you all want ice cream? And here's mm-hmm. the deal it's midnight uh we're sitting in a hotel lobby and ice cream sounded like the perfect thing at that moment there is no wrong time for right. ice cream now what you should know is that we had just stuffed our faces with some pizza so we went from pizza and he's like you know you know what we need is some ice cream up in here i'm like you're not wrong and and clearance ordered ice cream that was delivered to the hotel like a magic ice cream fairy i don't even know it was but it was fantastic (laughs) ice cream and when he brought it to me and gave it to me that that cemented our lifelong friendship because another man that brings you ice cream is a friend (laughs) forever. forever forever right right forever uh so uh that's just a little that's a little bit of a snapshot into who clarence is ice cream getter uh yeah that's there's more to him than that i assure you but but that was just the beginning of a, of a really beautiful friendship so uh, without further ado we do absolutely want to welcome to the studio clarence thanks for being here brother
2: no problem thanks for having me guys oh yes
1: it's going to be a good one um so clarence what we uh as oh. you and as you and i have talked andy i feel like you've got something that you want i was to just ask. gonna
0: say when we started doing this show like Clarence was the first person that you're like we need to have him for on this first sure. episode for sure so our no, first no, interview episode yeah no pressure um so uh
1: one of the really great things Clarence like as you and I have talked and gotten to know each other is just to hear your story um specifically so we are the dudes and dads podcast we want to talk a lot about fatherhood uh and and being and also about being a dude so growing up as a man and like what are the formational things in your life and all of that. And so those two things combined the the subject of fatherhood and growing up and developing as a person and who you are today and all of that, those, those two things intersect in a very interesting way for you. And so I would just love for you to share with us, um, just like what a childhood look like for you. What'd you grow up in? Um, and kind of that journey and then I'm just going to ask you like deep and penetrating questions uh, along the way so it seems it seems like this can only turn out to be awesome so tell us about tell us about yourself now Uh, just kind of give us like who you are what you're up to what you do uh, and then um, take us back to childhood and like bring us bring us up to today
2: yeah well like I said once again thanks for having me guys I am Clarence um Michael Hogan, I guess. Thank you so husband. much.
1: He's he's catching on.
2: <laughs> I uh live here in beautiful Goshen and uh, I'm the youth pastor at Maple City Chapel. Um and I've been here for a year and a half about. Um I grew up in Detroit, Michigan. No, not the 313. Yes, the 313, not the suburbs, Detroit. The Michigan. real Detroit. <laughs> yes. Bullets, Detroit. <laughs> 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 Um I I grew up, you know, uh I started my life in a single parent home. Um my father was absent from day one. Um and so I grew up in this kind of uh weird awkward situation, uh, so to speak. Uh I had a single mom uh, who was raising us and she did everything she could to make sure you know we had what we what we needed to have, but um, obviously as you know, nothing really replaces the presence of a father. Right. Um, nothing really does that. So, uh growing up you know, throughout my life, I seen a lot of uh, different things. As I as I said before, you know, my dad was never present um, in my life until I was a teenager. And so as I was growing up, I had a lot of uh, different scenarios and struggles uh, through my childhood. Um, I kind of started this life with coming into the world a little uh, awkwardly as I came in into the world a couple months early. Uh my mom was actually at the bar when she went to labor. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> that makes for a good interest into the yeah, world a party <laughs> <laughs> and uh you know just just from that point on uh you know I began to grow up in this home and uh you know just really didn't have any formative years as a as a male um nothing nothing to really point toward but um around the fourth third fourth grade, I got this uh stepfather um uh and I say that very loosely i mean living boyfriend kind of a situation. But um, he moved in with us and uh, I thought, you know, finally a chance for me to just really embrace um, what it's like to be a man, you know, for someone to be able to teach me and pour into me. Um, But I didn't get that. I got uh, the uh, version of a very broken man um, who uh, was a woman abuser. Um, He prided himself on abusive women and um, he was also a father. He had other kids, but uh, that really started my kind of journey in growing up and just, you know, seeing that kind of play out before my eyes. Um, I always wondered where my father was. I wondered, you know, if he knew about me, if he knew um, what I was going through, if he knew how I had to grow up. Um, I didn't know a whole lot about my father, didn't know um, didn't know anything about him. And so I knew that for the first few years of my life, until I was about seven or eight, I was never allowed to mention his name. Um, in the house, and then I later learned the backstory of why I was never allowed to mention his name. Do just fine, <laughs> uh, but uh, just you know, growing up and seeing that, and uh, just growing through different struggles and, and different things. Um, around my eighth grade year, I found out that my mom was addicted to crack cocaine. Um, and as a year, as a as a as a young boy, that was very that was very painful for me. Yeah, painful sure. for me to yeah. figure out. You know, how do I process this? I woke up to my mom and her boyfriend arguing. Over her drug addiction. Um, at the time, I didn't know what it was, but you know, I was in my eighth grade year, and I wake up to people arguing, and I'm not really sure what's going on. And and we had, you know, we'd have things come missing out of the house and different things like that. And we wake up a couple of times with people knocking on our door at four or five o'clock in the morning, screaming, "Bloody murder!" Damn. Calling for my mom, you know. And so we didn't really, I didn't know what was going on. And then when my um, stepfather, um, you know, confronted my mom about her issue, they woke us up, and my mom apologize apologized to her. She was crying. I remember that night so vividly um, to see my mom in that light. You know, my mom was a drug addict. Like, that's what we talked about. That's, you know, we made fun of kids like that when I was growing up. That's just how it was. Um, not justifiable, but that's how it was. Right. And so um, that was a really, really hard thing for me. And that was something I kind of kept in myself for about a year. I didn't say anything to anybody. And as I continued to grow older, um, I just... You know, I I struggled a lot because not having that, you know, that person there, and we had some uh, relatives move in with us, and uh, they begin to uh, uh, abuse me, um, physically, mentally, um, any way you can think of. I was abused. um, I'll just put it that way, and uh, and so I left. You know, there's a lot of things inside of me that left, um, that was left wanting. Like, okay, is somebody going to protect me? You know, where's you know, in the back of my mind, I'm always thinking. Where's my dad? Where's the hero to come in and save the day and, you know, say you're not gonna do that to my kid or whatever the case might be. And so, you know, I have all these emotions growing up and um, you know, I get to uh my preteen years and um, you know, find out my mom's, you know, on drugs and and just trying to wait through all of that stuff. And uh I begin to uh I begin to get sick uh during my preteen, teenage years, and uh, we back and forth to the hospital and just really was wondering, you know, what was happening, what was going on. And, you know, long story short, I found out I had a tumor. And uh, not only on the tumor, the tumor was cancerous, but I also had tuberculosis at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I spent several weeks in the hospital, and that was the first time I had heard from my father. Um, And that was in the form of a gift basket being sent to the hospital. Um, Now, mind you, I can't eat, (laughs) but I got a gift basket. Thanks, Dad. (laughs) Yeah, I got a gift basket sent to the hospital with all yummy you know, kind of streets that I couldn't take advantage of. But that was the first time I ever, you know, heard from my father. And uh, I met him very shortly, um, a couple weeks later in the hospital. And uh, I had a surgery and I couldn't talk. And so um day before they came in, and put in a tube in my trach so I could talk and you know, people could hear me. And I knew my dad was coming. And so uh, I made it a point to make sure that I acted like I could not talk to him. Um, I was very angry. uh 14, 15 year old at the time. I was very angry. Um, and being introduced to your father at a tragedy in your life was probably not the best way I wanted to meet him. Sure. Right. But then after that, um, we kind of developed a little bit of a relationship, um, or at least I thought so. Um, there were several occasions that my dad would promise to come and pick me up. Um, and I can remember probably about eight or nine times that I would sit on our porch on a Friday after school um, with my bags in hand waiting for my father who never showed up. Um, and probably around my sixteen sixteen year old year i um got to the opportunity to go over to my dad's house and to meet his wife his girlfriend <laughs> and his other girlfriend oh okay uh, all in the same day uh and so that was you know as a as a man you know i had longed for this day to go somewhere with my dad to do something with my dad and that was the first thing I learned and um, that was hard for me you know and uh, when I finally got to go to his house after being stood up a million times you know and it was you know my time there was a very terrible time Um, as someone meeting their dad for the first time you have all of these expectations what is it going to be like he's going to be a hero he's going to what is it going to look like you know Um, and every hope that weekend honestly was dash um, because the first weekend I met my father he left me with his girlfriend to go out of town with his wife. And uh, so I met my dad that weekend. I went to the birthday party of his girlfriend's son that weekend. Um, and I met one of his mistresses that weekend. And I spent a week with him. So that was my first week meeting my father, spending a week with his other, other family. Gotcha. Um, and so, you know, we didn't get along. And me and the young girl did not get along because uh, she would show me, oh, look at all the things your dad bought me. And wow. as a yeah. immature right. Teenager, I'm thinking. Well, the dude has never bought me anything. Are you up here buying <laughs> video games? And I don't even have a a, a, a Sega, or something yeah, yeah, old right. video game. Yeah. Right. Uh, even though Sega was were new then, but whatever. <laughs> um, but you know, that was that was a very painful time for me. Um, and I remember at the end of that time, uh, I I gave my father the silent treatment um, because he allowed his girlfriend to beat me. Um, and so you know, imagine meeting your dad. Going over his house, having all that happen, and then, you know, you get beat, you know, and so uh, that was kind of where, um, as far as my adolescent years, that's kind of where it measured up at. Um, my stepfather, uh, throughout that time, uh, was a was a drunk. Um, I don't even know a nice way to say it. He abused my mom uh, very physically. I remember several milestones in my life my mom wasn't able to come to, like eighth grade graduation. She had two black eyes, you know, just different things like that. She wasn't able to come to because of the abuse, because of being in the hospital. Um, And I remember probably the defining moment as far as my relationship with my stepfather. um, And I say that in quotes. But, you know, as far as my relationship with him, um, Memorial Day, um, 2000, let me see. Was that 2000? No, 19, <laughs> 1996. I'm old. I'm sorry. Oh.
1: 1996.
2: Mid-90s. Okay. My junior year of high school, um, started off a great day. We were having a family cookout. Everybody was going to come over. mom cleaned that day, and she had a wedding to go to, and my stepfather wasn't too happy about her going to the wedding because his family was coming over, and he deemed that to be a night where she should be home and blah, 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 all the expectations that we have that are not realistic in this life, but um, uh, she finally came home. Uh, to a really trashed house After his family was there And I mean Chicken bones Rib bones every, this trash No one, People just really didn't care um, My mom got upset She started cleaning the house And she started vacuuming To his tray And I'm like I'm, I'm sitting back watching Like this is not gonna go good At all You know And he gets up Flies into a rage And he starts undoing All the cleaning she's done And then he proficiently Begins to tell her Find my gun And so My mom is frantically Looking for his gun I don't know what to do My stepdad Pushes me upstairs, locks me in my room. Um, my mom runs and runs in the bathroom and he kicks down the bathroom door. He comes out, he starts hitting my mom. I get, break out of my room, I'm screaming. Um, we get down, you know, downstairs and my mom is screaming at him and he points a gun at my mom and he points a gun at me and says, Give me one reason why I shouldn't kill you both. And so that was the very end. For me um, to have to sit under that kind of a tyranny, you know, yeah. abuse, you know? Yeah. she may have been okay with it. I, however, as a as an eighteen year old, because I got back behind a year in school, I was not okay with it. And so um, I decided to leave that day. Um, after he, you know, he let us go. We went outside. My mom had another few words for him. He pistol whipped her. I'm screaming bloody murder at midnight um, on Memorial Day of '96, and nobody's helping. Finally, get my mom to the. Uh, uh, pay phone because we don't have those anymore and <laughs> get into the payphone pay phone and you know, call the police. And my mom chooses to leave for the night. And I look at my mom and I just say, if you go back to this man, I'm never coming home. She went back and I never went home. And so that was for me, that was, that was my life growing up in adolescence. So,
1: and you know, I, I just, I just hear it's like, uh, you know, there's this, this like trauma after trauma after trauma after trauma after trauma, and when you look back on that, like, how how do you how do you as a child, like, how do you as a child, like, remembering that, like, how are you getting through that? How are you coping with that sort of thing? Because it, it's just like, because like I know you now, I know you now, and it's like you know, a lot of opportunity for you to be in a very very different place, obviously than 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 where you are like. I think we can all just say you are absolutely wonderful contributing member of society and not, you know, (laughs) not living under a bridge somewhere or whatever. But like, man, that starts stacking up like those events after, you know, one after another. What would you say? Like, how'd you make it?
2: Well, uh, the only shining spot in the midst of this whole thing was my 12 years in my 12 years of age. Um, Two ladies were coming down the street, and they obviously did not live in our neighborhood. (laughs) <laughs> I'll just put. It please tell. Please tell us more. <laughs> okay. Well, I am a darker, beautiful human being. They were lighter, beautiful yeah. human I beings. Hear you. Okay. And so yeah. the only people that looked like that in our neighborhood were Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons. Uh-huh. And so they had to be one or the other. They couldn't yeah. be anything else. But these two ladies came, and in a very, very dark time in my life, mm. they told me about Jesus, mm. and they told me about um, about starting a relationship with Christ, and. uh I won't say um, that things got better because yeah. they didn't. Um, and you know, that's reality some Christians need to face, that things yeah. don't always get better when Jesus right. gets involved. But um, one of the things for me was I kind of compartmentalized, compartmentalized my trauma yeah. until I was 18. Yeah. Um, and even even now, I mean, even now there are things that I'm still – um, I'm in therapy right now, you know, dealing yeah. with some of those things. But I still, just today, I had my first trauma-based therapy appointment, actually. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, so I I haven't—I guess I didn't deal with them. Yeah. Um, that was my—the church was my way of escape. Yeah. Um, that is absolutely how I am alive today. I can tell you that without yeah. certainty. But um, I didn't deal with those emotions until I was 18, um, until I was, like, 25, and then until now. I'm, yeah. I'm just now— Processing all of those things in a healthy way, so.
1: you know, and I, I, just I hear that, and I, I've hear I've heard other other I'm quite no one's no one I know's got a story like yours, but other other similar stories of you know where just years and years of of abuse of trauma of those sort of things, and that you know that people haven't have encountered, and the ability for someone to tuck it away for, for that long. And then, but you know, like in our adult lives, like we encounter these people that are like deeply broken people and, and they act out of that brokenness. Right. And we're like, we're like, what is your deal? Like we, we have, you know, and, and it's, I, because I think we forget the capacity for, to, to tuck those to things, tuck things away and compartmentalize yeah, to, it and to tuck yeah. those things mm-hmm. away. I think there are a lot of broken men out there and I think you're probably going to agree with me on this, Mm -hmm. Clarence. There are a lot of broken men out there that had either unavailable fathers, abusive fathers um, that communicated some sort of like lack of value to young men Mm -hmm. or little boys or whatever it was at whatever age that that was an ongoing thing and then basically we've got all these, these men now that are trapped at whatever, you know, I mean, I just think we got a bunch of grown men that are also they're 10, 12 years old walking around. Mm -hmm. Um, and so like I, my hope is that we, there can just be an awareness of like, we extend a, a lot of grace and mercy and empathy toward that, but they need more than grace, mercy and empathy. So, you being on the on this new this new chapter that you're in, and going into a whole new level of therapy that you're going into now at this at this stage in your life, which is just like a, such a beautiful a beautiful thing because the temptation could be just to, to not, <laughs> and probably would be easy, and it'd be easier, what, right? Because things are all coming back now, right? Like we're all you're going you're going back there. Um, what? what i mean what have you seen with because i'm sure you've encountered other men with with overlapping story or, or similar um, what are your words to them like if if they're like you know man i'm here i am close to middle age or my you know i'm an adult and i've got kids or a wife or whatever and now all this you know oh i've got to deal with stuff what would be your insight encouragement direction to people in that kind of situation
2: well i always i always tell people that are, you know, have went through similar things or, you know, other, other things in their life. Um, I always tell people, and this is just my advice for what I did, but, um, I think that we even talked about this last week, but I kind of live out of my deficit. And what I mean by that is, you know, in your heart of hearts, what you have always wanted someone else to be in your life? And so for instance, if a man has family, he has a wife, he has kids, and that was his past, that was his story we have to think Is man, how am I going to be the father that my kids need if I haven't dealt with these things? Mm. How can I, how can I really be the man that my wife needs if I haven't dealt with these things? I think that it's completely unfair for, for men, for a person like me who has been through something like this and don't try and get better for the people that are in their lives now. Yeah. Um, you know, I understand the trauma. Believe me, I understand trauma. I understand hurt. I understand all of mm. those things, but the curse has to stop with somebody, mm. you know. It got, right. it's got to stop with somebody. And why not us? Why not me? You know. And right. that's what I decided for my own self. Right. Whatever this thing is, it has to stop with me. Yep. I don't know what my dad's dad was like. I know what my dad is like. But whatever, what he was like. It stays in 1978 when right. I was born. Right. It stops with me. And so I would encourage, you know, men, if you're going to lead, I, I think I heard a quote uh, last month. Um, I think it's Frederick, Frederick Douglass, it's easier to repair broken children than it is to repair broken men. Mm-hmm. You know, and that is so, so true. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's, there's so many people. I have friends who are now living in this this trap of their brokenness, and they have become a victim to it instead of a victor over it. And you can always look at trauma and point back to that's where I was, Hmm. but it's not where I'm going to stay. And so I would say, you know, for men, you got to be healthy. Like you got to your mind, you got to get your mind healthy. You got to be healthy for your kids. And you got to decide that, wait, this stops with me. Like my kids need me to be fully present. They need me to be fully healthy and they need me to be fully available. And if I'm dealing with all this junk and if I'm or if I'm not dealing with all this junk, let me say it like that way. If I'm not dealing with all this junk, then what kind of man can I be to my kids, to my wife, you know, to my sons, to my daughters? What what kind of man am I going to be to those people if I have not dealt with the own pain in my heart?
0: Well, and I think, too, like you can't change your past, like you yep. can't change your dad. You can't change your stepdad or your mom. Like you have what you said is right. You can only change you and where are going forward you can't change the past you can only change that so as a man you have to step up and say yeah this is ending i'm not going to let that affect me i'm just going to go forward and make the best of what the situation i'm in and and change that you know what i'm in
1: clarence do you have a sense i mean and because you said you don't know the full history of you know of your own parents and do you have a sense though that there was just this the kind of legacy of abuse and trauma le- leading up into i mean that would be my that would be my assumption is that like there's a history there to all of that um it, and you as you mentioned like with your mom's drug addiction like wh- where do you think that it like where did that addiction come from for her and how like how did that kind of manifest itself in life what are, as you've thought about that
2: yeah well so I'll tell you right now my mom's addiction stems directly from her childhood
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, but it's one of those things that didn't manifest itself until years later um, so my mom when she was about 17 my grandmother was raped by about 7 guys um, and so Imagine, you know, nobody should have to imagine that. But my mom in that situation, yeah. um, she then she then became as the oldest kid. She then became the mom of the family because mm-hmm. her mom she lived, but she spent the rest of her life in and out of mental institutions. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, and so from that, I mean, from that moment on, and I, I met my grandma years after kids normally meet their grandparents. I mean, years. Like I met my grandma in like. 10 years before she died oh, wow. you know because she was locked away in the mental, mental institution yeah. and if you would meet her you would see that they didn't lock her away because they wanted to get rid of her no she needed to be there yeah. and so I would say that my mom's drug addiction stems from that because all she had at that point after that was my grandfather right. well in 92 my grandfather passed away um, kind of unexpectedly but uh, but after that my mom's addiction began within a week um as a matter of fact, in the funeral home, my mom was getting high mm-hmm. in the bathroom, mm-hmm. you know. And so I know that her addiction began to crack cocaine. It began, you know, January 7th, 1992. I can tell you exactly when it began. Yeah. That's when it began. That's when it was introduced to her as one of her friends. Hey, this will help you cope. And, and the next thing you know, she was coping on, you know, losing the only person she felt like she had ever had since childhood, since this stuff happened to her mom. And now she lost that one person, and so that's—I know—that's where the history of hers came from.
1: Yeah, and I mean, early '90s. I mean, cocaine was Mm -hmm. hard on the scene, and this is—I mean, it was taking over, you know, Chicago, Detroit, Detroit. New York. Like there, there's just these epidemics of. Oh my gosh! Yeah, like I think it's hard for us to wrap our brains around what it was, what it was doing, and how quickly it was spreading, and it was targeting people that didn't have the resources to, to, to get out of it. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, as you're kind of sharing there too, another thing that just comes to my mind was it was like because you said this earlier, like where were the protectors? Mm-hmm. Where were the people to step in and say? We're here to help. Um, like that just comes up again and again. Mm-hmm. Like ain't nobody <laughs> like right. putting their foot
2: down yeah. going, no, yeah, right.
0: this and does not, this does not have to be this way. And as a dad, like I know that's one of the things like I'm going to be super mad if someone's going to be even like treat my kid wrong. Mm-hmm. And like, that's sad that you didn't have somebody growing up like that. Yeah. yeah.
1: But like you said, out of the, out of the deficit, um, you're a youth worker now Mm -hmm. and you've got a lot of students, a lot of young people that look to you as a, as a role model, um, as somebody as a spiritual influence in their life, as someone who's providing direction. And, um, and as you said, like, and i'm just wondering if you could like flesh it out more like as you're doing as you're working out of deficit like you like i did not have these things i want to be this kind of person like what led you like what led you to get involved in like as a profession like i'm gonna i'm gonna pour into kids (laughs)
2: like
1: how did how in the world did that
2: happen well for me um it's almost was full circle like there are people, you know, those two ladies that came to my street and at one of the worst times of my life, um, they were the bright light. And so I look at that and I say, How could I not give back? Hmm. Like someone did that for me, you right. know? How could I not? You know, but the defining moment for me will have to be me working at camp, that camp actually. Yeah. <laughs> and uh I uh you know, I had a kid, and I think I talked to you about this, but I had a kid um, come to me after a campfire and it's the first thing any, like, anything like this has ever happened it's happened a lot since but uh, this is the first time and he asked me after the campfire I was sharing my story just how I just did and uh, he asked me to be his father wow and uh, that really broke me his name's Alex by the way but uh, he asked me to be his father and uh, I'm like <laughs> Bro, (laughs) (laughs) you don't want me as a father. I would literally be the worst father ever because I I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you what to do. I couldn't protect you. You know, I'm saying all of these things. And so I I told him that night, I says, I can't give you an answer for this. I really need to talk to God. I need to pray about, you know. And so I left the campfire that night, not encouraged, but I left mad. You know, I met, mad at God. How, why would you have him ask me this? You know, I don't have this in my life. So how could I be something like this to someone else? I don't have that. And just then it clicked to me. Yeah. Clarence, you don't have that, but you know what you've always wanted in the father. So mm-hmm. why can't you be that to somebody yeah. else?
1: Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And so here you are now, um, as a youth pastor at Maple city and, uh, from everything i can see you're having a pretty good time <laughs> it's uh and you know and the great thing is you know Clarence and i we we literally work 6 miles away from each other our our congregations that we serve in and and overlap in are are, are super close and uh, we're right now in conversation about how we can network together more and how we can reach out to uh to young people that don't have a place to belong or that are feeling a little a little like unsure and what i love is is that like i get to do that like as you and i partner and talk Mm -hmm. together it's like i just have this sense of um just like there's there's a heart that understands what the need is and is convinced that regardless of whatever like hurdles or challenges that we have in the way like we're going to make sure that people know that they're cared for and that, that they have people stepping into their lives. And because, um, just in general, uh, and Clarence, you can tell me what you think about this. Uh, I think, I think there's good research behind it. I think that we are living in a culture that is abandoning young people. Yep.
2: Yep.
1: And, and when I say abandoning, I mean I mean like the uh you know the wealthy or the the middle class I mean this for the middle class family down the street oh, yeah. you know in the in the suburbs or on the cul-de-sac or whatever like there's abandonment going on there it may look slightly different right. um but as far as in intentional like worthwhile investment in in young people that's going on across racial racial divides right. across socioeconomic differences, all of that, like that's occurring. We have hurt young people mm. who maybe mom and dad are both in the picture. That could, that could be the case too. And still, um, that that's going on. That there's this kind of this, uh, this abandonment and we're,
0: well, I think, I think yeah. we're using like electronics and internet and things like that as, as parent replacements. Yes. And that like, yeah, that's, abandoning kids just the same i mean it's the boy like you said joel they're there but they're not
1: yeah. yeah we're all you're going to hear me use this term again and again and uh this time we will put these books in the show notes but there's a, there's a great <laughs> book out there it's uh it's not light reading but it's entitled alone together and um it's the subtitle is why we expect more of technology and less out of each other mm. and i'm like that and this is not me uh if you notice this show makes high use of technology this is not me ragging on you know social media and and all that i think there's there can be you know anything that has a great potential to do great good also has the reverse potential to do great harm right and so there has to be wisdom and judgment and quite honestly uh parents that are willing to step in and say these are the boundaries these are the borders uh and not just because we're mean or whatever but because we care and we're willing to willing to make those and, you know those hard choices and that's
0: tough i mean i know as my kids like they're always like can i play this game can i watch this on the internet and it's like i can't set my
1: cell phone down on yeah, the tape. table somewhere <laughs> i literally turn my back i'm like where where my phone go so now the thing is by the way i got with the with the watch that i have i have the phone locator on it Ooh. so i'll just wait till one of the one of my one of my goofy little kids thinks that they've gone hidden whatever and i'll i'll like walk up close to him and I'll hit the phone locator here and the phone will start going off whenever, and they think it's like a, they think it's like a bomb or something or whatever. And I'm like, caught you. Um,
0: but like, there's just this, there's this draw into that. Like, right. you, you see it. And, and, it's, and as parents, it's easy to say, yeah, sure. Go ahead. I mean, it's, yeah, yep. it's easy to let the internet and the TV entertain our kids and be
1: Sometimes parents. I want you to quit screaming. And sometimes if I put a screen in front of you, that stop. it will stop. Right. right. Right.
2: We have a lot of, we have a lot of presence, but not. Presence,
1: yeah, no. yeah. So, Clarence, you're. Uh, I, this is this is one of the really beautiful things of your story that I that I love. That kind of surprised me, and yet um, it's a it's an it, it's been a reality for you previously, and now you're getting back into it. Um, but I just love you. Wonder if you could share with us um, your the process that you're in for getting back into foster care.
2: Yeah, yeah so um actually it's- interesting because i uh we have a little conference tomorrow that I'm going to but um i uh back in two thousand and sixteen um i really i've you know for even longer than that I developed this intense passion for foster care um kids who just don't fit anywhere else like those are my kind of kids yeah you know? and uh and so um I didn't know what it looked like, but I have a great friend uh, who does foster care he's I don't know how many placements he's on now. It's like ridiculous, but he's adopted five kids out Mm. of the system. Wow! Wow, Yeah. Um, and so it's really you know really seeing him really encourage me, and and I I saw you know with foster care you see the good, the bad, and the ugly. Oh yeah. Like there's nothing hidden. You see it all. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And so you know I saw I saw that, and uh you know if if that was ever any time to back out, it'd be then. But no way, this ain't for me. Uh, but really God kept tugging on my heart. Um, but as as I know, as with everyone else, time is everything, and as you guys know, kids change everything in your life. So um I developed this uh I started going to uh I inquired, started going to this training. Um probably within a week of the training, they said, um, we have uh we have a kid for you. Wow. I'm like, I'm just only <laughs> been through training for weeks, so and we got three months to go. Um so I started seeing Caesar, that's his name. I'm gonna start seeing Caesar uh, probably the next week And uh, so as I'm going through training I'm having visits with Caesar, And uh, you know First day I met him Fell in love You know yeah. um, uh, Just his story um, How he came to be in foster care You know I'm just a I'm just a, a, a wimp anyway So I cried anything <laughs> But So you know That night I knew that When I met Caesar And I took him out He wanted some Chinese place Which was gross But he <laughs> I, I took him out To some Chinese place And I bought him a little game For his I don't know what they call them, game cube or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. And so um so I, I just started going through training and learning about trauma and different things the kids face. And um at the end of that I ended up um with this 16-year-old kid in my house. Um and it literally changed everything about my life. Um and if I could just be really candid, it enabled me to love in ways that I didn't think were possible. Mm. Um, it enabled me to be mad in ways I didn't think were possible to.
1: <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. Six-year-old kid, absolutely. <laughs> yeah.
2: But I had this, like, my heart was broken for him because mm-hmm. of how he ended up where he ended up at. Right. And even as bad as my story was, he had a story too. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I couldn't imagine being tossed in front. Of him. At least I had a stable place to live. That's the only thing that was stable, but <laughs> I had it. Oh, right. You know, and, uh, you know, Mr. Caesar got into my home and and— I just fell in love with him You know uh, Foster care is something That I want to do For the rest of my life mm-hmm. um, And even as me Is now looking For a relationship um, He's he, single people He's, he's single yeah. Ladies
0: <laughs> Come on now. I
2: actually have a date next week. Oh,
1: atta <laughs> attaboy. a boy, beachy. boy, I love it. I love it.
2: <laughs> but uh, I, as as I, you know, that's a deal breaker for me. Like if you mm-hmm. if you don't love kids, that's a deal breaker. That's what I do. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um,
1: You're all in on the kid game. Yeah. So yeah. that's
2: a deal breaker. You know, we don't got to have them, but we are gonna adopt them. You know,
0: and so. But there will be kids in the house. There will be kids in the house. Yes.
2: Um, and so I, you know, that's really what just fuel my passion for it. You know, Caesar now he's graduated from high school. Um, unfortunately because of the laws and different things when I came to Goshen he did not get to come with me mm-hmm. uh, because he requires lots of services um, you know uh, counseling trauma stuff and some medical things that I could not provide for him if I adopted him out of the system at that time um, but I do look forward to adopting many 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 kids um, in the future awesome
1: I love it so now uh, you've gone in back into your foster care training and Like you told me, you know, they find out you're a youth pastor and they're like, hey, we got just the right kid (laughs) for you. Let's give you several kids. (laughs) We got just the right kid for you. Um, There is a foster care crisis in this area. There there are kids that need placement. Um, Jackie and I have had the conversation. We'd like our kids to be a little bit older, uh, but we've had that conversation of, you know, would we would we think about that would that be something because and here's here's the thing and we don't i don't want to get all super churchy with you but here's here's what i will say about this uh with all of the faith communities that we have in this area we could single-handedly if we got together on this one issue we could eliminate we could eliminate our the the crisis that we're in absolutely if 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 just people just stepped up and said we we will do it we We will do it um it, you know, it, I, I cannot imagine, I mean, cause it's just not part of my story at all, but it's like, I cannot imagine being in that, being in that system. Um, cause again, you're always at, I think it comes back to man. It's just a great theme. Where are the protectors? Where are the people stepping in? Where, where are the ones that were like, what has happened to you will happen to you no longer. This uncertainty and this chaos that you've had, it stops today. Like we are entering in, you know, like where are the people that will say that and and be that, mm-hmm. uh, for children. And, um man let's be there. let's be there for our kids and when i say our kids i mean in the broader community um because you start dealing with that uh, crime gets dealt with uh, did all the all the other things socially that are going on like uh, we start chipping away at that in, in, a, in a way when we step in and say the kids are kids are important they're going to be a priority um clarence uh you're a good dude um and uh and soon to be uh soon to be a foster dad and um you know i here 's the deal uh as you're as you're dating i i don't want to put this on you too heavy but um, i've literally never a part let me see i've only gotten to be in one wedding that i wasn't officiating. So, you know, if I can be a groom, just, I just want to be on the list to be a groomsman. I just want to like call that now. I'm not saying that this date is going to go like over the, (laughs) but I, I'm just putting dibs like, remember your brother. That's all I got to say. I got you. Okay. Thank you. That's all I, it's, it's here. It's recorded now too. So this is like, this is like, right. Right. Yes. So, um, Clarence, thank you for sharing your story and now for sharing your story and sharing the season, this beautiful
0: thing that you're on. Um, you get to do what we like to call the dudes and dads pop quiz. Dudes and dads pop quiz. Uh Last week, Joel and I gave it to each other. We, (laughs) we had 15, you're only getting five. So this is simple. I mean, it's it's simple for you. So I'll start. So go for it. What is your favorite musical band?
2: Oh man. Favorite musical band. Oh goodness. I would have to go with, (sighs) Band? Yeah. I don't even know if I have a favorite band. Do you, uh, like a, okay, like What's
0: a, on your top? Like, if you open up your phone now and you started playing music, oh, what, what, would, okay. what would it be?
2: Hillsong, Tasha okay. Kops, um Passion. Yes, right. right on. Yeah. Um, I Probably a little Kurt Franklin family, and I would say Elevation Worship. Right, right on. Worship. I w-
1: if you didn't say Kurt Franklin, I was going <laughs> to...
2: What? what?
1: You're, you're wrecking my stereotypes. He, what are we he, doing he, here?
2: It's not <laughs> a bad stereotype. No,
1: no, okay. All right. Go ahead. You can okay, it. next up. Uh, favorite local restaurant. You've dissed on the Chinese food now, so I don't know. Right. Not we here. Up. Oh, not here. No, it wasn't just, here. Just, okay. It was in
2: Lancaster, Pennsylvania.
1: Because <laughs> when I think Chinese, I think <laughs> Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Uh, okay, yeah, so favorite local restaurant around here. Angos. Yeah, yeah.
2: Or... If you want to
1: extend it out, if you don't want to, like... Hey. Yeah, go a little bit farther. Okay, that's I
2: have one in Goshen and I have one outside. of
1: Goshen. Okay, do
0: right, give give both, both. Give yeah, both. Yeah.
2: Okay, the one in Goshen is Southside Soul Shop. Uh,
0: that's yo, a solid, yo. solid choice. Solid yep. choice. Yeah.
2: Yep. The one outside of Goshen, well, I have two outside of Goshen. Can I say them? Is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Okay, Frankie's Barbecue, right on in South Bend. Oh, you oh. have never had better barbecue. And Curly Q's in Niles, also a barbecue place. Ooh. Both Curly? ran by families. Yes. Both family ran.
1: I've been to Frankie's And let me just tell you Frankie's is like One of those Like neighborhood gems Like you If you know about Frankie's You You're on the inside Bullet slime
2: sure. But good barbecue but
1: <laughs> That's how you know It's good that is right, exactly If you don't you know. fear For your life While waiting for barbecue
0: You're not in the right place
2: I eat those I eat one of those places Once a week I'm not even <laughs> Beautiful. joking Beautiful
0: beautiful all right favorite season go Ooh, spring spring, spring? We're, we're getting close brother yes. we're getting there close. was no hesitation there it was like <laughs> spring spring oh absolutely. absolutely i don't like winter no don't no. blame you uh favorite sports team clarence
2: oh the michigan wolverines of oh. course
1: Oh. No. See, here's, 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 no, people have been listening to this podcast. They've been they've been tuned in, <laughs> dialed in, and all of a sudden, like I don't know if you can hear people slamming their devices. On almost the table. Took, I almost took my headphones <laughs> off and walked out. I <laughs> it's like the internet is crying right now. No, uh, okay. Oh, U of M. All right, next up. No, that's you. That's you. Oh, okay. I'm back up. Oh yes, this is the last one, right? All right, as being as being a Detroiter. What's your favorite thing? When you, when you get back to Detroit, when you're back in the 313, what's your favorite thing to do there? Oh,
2: man. Um, well, it's food. It's definitely food. Okay. Um, I have a couple of spots that I go to every time I come home. And one is the Sweet Potato Creations. Oh, interesting. And then they make Superman cheesecake also. Um, what? <laughs> and another I can't even handle this. It's just
0: Blue Joe's mind. <laughs> oh, my gosh.
2: Beans and Cornbread, a Soul Food Bistro. And uh, any Detroit pizza, Detroit pizza is not real popular in other places, but it's popular in Detroit. What makes
1: as it should be? What makes a Detroit? Pizza well, it's square. Pizza? So Jet's Pizza, okay, yeah, is,
2: is a version of Detroit's pizza. I got you. Uh, but more importantly, Buddy's Pizza is. Uh, so you go to Detroit, they talk about pizza um, in Detroit. Believe it or not, there's two pizzas. There's Buddy's and there's Pizza Populous which is a better version of Chicago style. Yep, I said it.
1: Oh, <laughs> ooh, man. now the internet got angry again. <laughs> Slamming their <laughs> portable devices closed,
2: or I should say, better than Giordano's. Let me put it that way.
1: Okay. Oh, he named names.
2: Okay. <laughs> is that not
1: allowed? Oh, yeah, no, it is. You, well, we we went there. There's no going back. It's it's forever saved. So, uh, Clarence, you have successfully navigated the dudes and dads pop quiz. Congratulations. Yes. Well done. Well done. Well, hey, uh, you've managed to uh, stick with us for yet another episode. We're so grateful. Uh, there are two people or two well people we'll say people yes that we also yeah. want to thank uh, a big big thank you to dr clark kaufman here at avod chiropractic and wellness uh, they give us studio space and we are forever grateful and uh, it's just a great place to be so dr clark we love you thank you and then also we want to say thank you to the Thrive Leadership Center. Uh, John Troyer here uh, at the Thrive Leadership Center. Um, I've been through one of their leadership cohorts, guys. Let me just tell you, uh, whether you're in business or ministry or non-for-profit, whatever it is, uh, the leadership cohorts and leadership services they offer are top-notch,
0: worth trying out. Check it out at Thrive Leadership Center. And make sure to hit our website, dudesanddadspodcast.com. We'd love to hear your feedback also, so you can call 574-213-8702 for our voicemail, 574-213-8702. Again, we thank you guys for listening. We look to see you next week when we talk about grieving dads. Excellent, guys. Thanks. Have a great week. Grace and peace.